Hi, my name is James Andrella, and you are listening to the Back to Human podcast. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It does not constitute or substitute for medical advice. If you would like to support the show, I am an affiliate with Pristine Hydro, and you can use code 6killer10, that is S-I-X-K-I-L-L-E-R-10, to save 10% off of your order of their water revival system. This is a water filter that I've been using for the previous three years. I initially started out with the travel system as I was in an apartment at the time and didn't really have space for the undercounter unit, which I later upgraded to because I loved it so much and noticed a difference pretty much immediately with my skin health, my mobility, and honestly, just how good it tasted. I felt like I was drinking real water for the very first time. I loved it so much that I purchased a unit shortly after for my family. And my brother-in-law, whom I never expected to notice any difference, was actually the first to mention that his coffee tasted so much better with it. So there's a little bit of food for thought for you. Water is the base of your coffee, if you're a coffee drinker, that is. So what is the quality of the water that goes into the beverages that you're making at home, and can it make a difference? The Pristine Hydro Water Revival System uses a 10-stage filtration process which filters out all acids and contaminants, including fluoride. It then remineralizes the water with magnesium bicarbonate, calcium, and sodium bicarbonate, as well as silica and chloride. Following the remineralization process, the water is then restructured and recharged as it is run over lodestones and quartz crystals. If you're unfamiliar with structured water, if you've never heard that term before, stay tuned as it will be discussed throughout the show. We also use their shower filters, which you can find at livepristine.com. Unfortunately, the code that I mentioned earlier will not be able to save you 10% off there, but I would greatly appreciate if you did use that link to make your purchase as it supports me, it supports the show. As you will come to learn throughout the episode, the water that you are bathing in may be just as important, if not more important, than the water that you are actually drinking. As my guest Isabel Friend would like to say, if you are not filtering your water, you become the filter. Without further ado... Let's jump into the show. On today's show, we are going to do a deep dive into water. On the show with me today, I have a water expert, someone that has been studying water and all of its mystical properties for over 13 years. She is the president of the American Water Trust and also runs one of the most comprehensive online stores for all things water. Without further ado, I would like to introduce Isabel Friend. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, James. Happy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, would you mind giving the audience a brief background into how you started to research water? What was really the catalyst for you doing so? Sure. So it all started for me back in 2009 when I was a nutritionist and specifically I was studying nutrigenomics or how uh, different kinds of food actually affect our gene expression. And the research is pretty clear that the more non-hybridized, the more wild and original our food is, the better our gene expression. Um, In other words, when we eat more domesticated food, we express more domesticated traits and characteristics and that sort of thing. And so um, at the time I thought, well, we are what we eat. And so certainly food must be the most important key to unlocking humanity's vast potential. And then instead of just wildcrafting and foraging my food, I started also wildcrafting and foraging my water. And that really opened up so much for me, um, harvesting directly from springs, because we are what we eat, sure, but 
every single nutrient that we absorb is mitigated by the quality of our hydration. So it's almost more true to say we are what we drink and actually the water we drink and, and especially the water that we're made of is even more important than the food that we eat. And so when I started drinking wild water, I just noticed a cascade of benefits, my body, my mind, and my emotions, um, and that kind of led me into the work of Victor Schauberger, who was a naturalist from the 18 and 1900s, whose understanding of water far surpasses even any modern hydrologist. I mean, it'll take humanity hundreds of years to catch up to what this guy understood about water. And then I was hooked. I realized, oh my God, water is the vessel of life itself. When the esoteric quality of life force energy wants to incarnate, incarnate in physical form, it has to take the form of water to do so. And water has been called the glove on the hand of consciousness. When you understand the mysteries of water, you understand how your own consciousness incarnates through your body as well. And water holds the keys to all of humanity's toughest questions from ecology and climate to health and medicine, to um, spirituality, to economics, to politics, to sociology. I mean, ultimately, when we turn to the source of life for the answers to life's toughest questions, we find that she is full of wisdom. In fact, water is uh, the primary symbol for wisdom in countless different cultures and traditions. So that's how it got started for me in 2009. At that point, I was hooked um, and I've been obsessed ever since. So it's interesting because you didn't really have like a health crisis or anything getting into this. You were actually what uh, I would call healthy prior to actually getting into water. Mm-hmm. And um, the when I came across your work, like I've been diving into or just looking at water a little bit differently. And I have this hydroponic system right now. And I was just thinking literally the other day, how yeah, water is transformative. So we have, or I have, and this may sound very silly, but I have this water in this little vessel and these plants that are obviously growing out of it. And the water level kind of just goes down. I'm like, where's where's the water going? And it's almost like, well, as these plants are growing tall, it's like the water is providing the nutrient. Obviously there's nutrients in the water as well, but the water is transforming into this plant. So I, I just found that very interesting. And there's so much that I don't understand about water, which hopefully you can enlighten us throughout this podcast. And um, I was wondering if you could kind of explain to people, because I know that you mentioned it throughout your seven day e-course, uh, the navigating the waters and also throughout your Instagram page, how if we are not filtering our water, we actually become the filter. So what do you mean by this? And what are people being exposed to, whether they are aware of it or not, when they are bathing in tap water and also drinking this? What are they being exposed to? Well, it really depends on where you're located as to what you're being exposed to. Tap water is very different in different locations, um, but it's definitely true. If you don't get a filter, you become a filter. Um, the water that we drink goes through a lot of um, processes in sort of like industrialized processes. Even even most filtered water is highly industrialized, highly processed water. And just like we don't want to eat highly processed food, we don't really want to drink highly processed water either. So tap water is highly processed at the filtration plants. It goes through a lot of treatments, um, uh, chemical treatments, a lot of additives get added into the water. And then um, there's also the 
the energetic signatures that don't necessarily get filtered out of the water either. So even if you're filtering out the particulates of, of some kind of toxin in the water, the water still can hold on to the memory of the toxin that was in it and carry that vibrational signature. One of water's primary roles in the world is as a carrier of vibrational frequencies. And so, yeah, in a lot of the major cities, you know, New York, LA, uh, Chicago, these larger cities have um, up to 70 pharmaceuticals in the water. And this is because people are taking those pharmaceuticals, peeing it out, and then that water goes to the treatment facility, but the pharmaceuticals are in such fine submicron amounts that it can't fully be filtered out from the water. And so, you know, all of these, these pharmaceuticals have been tested at clinical doses one by one, but it's really this mass experiment on the population. What would happen if you dose everybody in a city with all of the antidepressants and all of the birth control medications and all of the SSRIs, all of the, all of the painkillers, you name it all together at subclinical doses. My guesstimation would be that you would probably end up with a lot of physical and mental health issues. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the crises that are are taking over. And the reason why that happens is because they they have what's called a toilet to tap system, which is basically just an infinite loop of of recycling. And in a way, that's a good thing because it's not going to draw any more from the aquifer. But uh, when it comes to our health, it's it's really tragic. So yeah, filtration is absolutely a key step in the process and not just for the water that we drink, but for the water that we bathe in as well, because your skin absorbs around 60% of the uh, toxins from the water that you bathe in, but in your underarms and your genitals, they absorb about 100% of the toxins in the water. So it is really important that we take care of our shower filtration strategy as well. We are bodies of water fundamentally. And so what we do to water, we do to ourselves. And so you mentioned that the water like holds memory. So it's containing this imprint. It's a vibrational carrier. So even if we do filter it, it, is it still going to be holding onto that? It's almost like you have to talk to the water. You have to like nurture it back to a state of like health itself. Yeah. Yeah. When water comes to us through a tap, it is highly traumatized. It's been through a lot of right angle pipes that have completely destroyed the structure. It's been exposed to a lot of toxins and poisons. I mean, we treat water worse than we would treat any living being on the planet. And yet water is the source of life itself. And she really is a sentient being and she can sustain, um, emotional experiences and vibrational patterns and that sort of thing. And so I love the term that you used when you said, uh, you said something like really to, to care for her or to nurture her or something like that. And that's really the, the approach that I like to take is you're, you're encountering someone who is, um, kind of sick when she comes to you and she needs to be really cared for and nurtured back to life. And so the, the steps that I teach are filter structure, balance and energize And um, so filtration is the first step just to get out any toxins or particulates. And then structure brings coherence back to the molecular formations and brings water back into its crystalline state. Um, And it can also kind of reset any uh, toxic vibrations that might have been in the water from what it's been exposed to in the past. And then um, 
Balance is the step where we make sure that there's enough uh, electrolytes in the water for her to have a strong electrical charge um, and to be more bioavailable in our bodies. It also includes aeration, making sure that the water is breathing. And then, um, yeah, filter, structure, balance, and energize. Those are the ones. I also teach a step where, which is um, embody, which are the, the lifestyle practices to make sure that your own body is absorbing and retaining water in a good way. But we'll just talk about what you do to your external waters first. So fundamentally, water has the same needs that we have. You know, we are living by bodies of water and water is a more or less living body of water. I mean, the whole idea is to bring her back to life if she's if she's comatose, if she's sleepy, is to kind of wake her back up again. And so, you know, just like we need hygiene, water needs hygiene, that's filtration. But most people stop there and they say, oh, this water's filtered, therefore it's good water. But that would be like saying, I took a shower today, therefore I'm healthy. Obviously, health is a broad range of different factors. Um, and it, the same is true with water. So also just like we need to eat, water also needs to eat. We partake of the earth element by eating food that's grown in the earth or has food that has eaten food that has grown in the earth. And water partakes of the earth element by dissolving minerals inside of herself. And when those minerals dissolve, we call them electrolytes. Very important. And then uh, just like we need to breathe, water needs to breathe. She needs to exchange gases like oxygen and carbonic acid. And, you know, typically we keep water, you know, stagnant and stuck in these little bottles or in, in municipal tap water supplies where it's just kind of um, sedentary and just like sitting is toxic for us. They say sitting is the new smoking. It's one of the most toxic things that we can do. The same is true for water. When she's sedentary, she starts to go dormant and she can't exchange those gases. So whenever she moves um, through vortexing or flow forms or in a stream or in a river or anytime that there's movement, not pressurized movement in pipes and at right angles. That's a different kind of, it's a very unnatural kind of movement. Um, but in typical uh, natural movement patterns, She's able to exchange those gases and to breathe and to dissolve nanobubbles of, of oxygenation within herself. And actually, Dr. Tom Cowan said that he believed that one day science would find that the dissolved gases inside of water are just as important as the liquid water itself. And I would say that you can't really separate them. They're, they're one whole being, right? And we, we separate water a lot, right? We say water is just H2O and that's all it is. And so we think that distilled and reverse osmosis must be good water because it's just H2O. First of all, it's not just H2O, but that's a, that's a side story. <laughs> Second of all, that's actually an aggressive solvent that can leach minerals from your body and is, is highly unstructured and highly unnatural. It's a very processed water. So we always want to bring water back to her whole well-rounded natural state, just like you can't separate yourself from your breath. We wouldn't want to separate water from her breath. We mm -hmm. couldn't separate ourselves from, you know, the, the, uh, the food that we make ourselves out of, and we don't want to separate water from her electrolytes either. And that's a bit of a controversial topic in the water world. We can dive into it if you want, but, um, I stand by it. So, um, and also just like we need quality relationships in our lives, you know, they say that uh, isolation is another one of the most toxic things that humans can do to our own health, that actually the lonelier you are, the more likely you are to die of any causes, you're going to cause mortality significantly. And water as well needs quality relationships. 
what do I mean by that? The structure of the water molecules are actually uh, relational dynamics between uh, hydrogen atoms that bond together in different ways. So you've got van der Waals bonds and electrostatic bonds and several other kinds of bonds that I like to think of as different types of relationships within a community. You have romantic relationships, friendships, um, family dynamics. All these different kinds of bonds are what create the, the coherence and the the beauty, the artistry, the ability of a community to channel energy and information and to communicate with one another. You know, if you have a relationship with someone, you can communicate beautifully with that person. And the same is true of water. When the hydrogens are bonded together in a good, strong way, they can communicate vibration and information in between each other in a way that they can't do in bulk water, which is what we call unstructured water. It's where those bonds are forming and breaking apart billions of times. <clears throat> excuse me, billions of times per second. And there's no time for the, the molecules to actually snuggle up and exchange information and create a coherence that can, that can channel, um, uh, vibrations, which again is, is one of water's primary roles in nature and within our bodies. And so those quality relationships are very important for water, you know, and where, however you look at it, we are bodies of water and we have the exact same needs that she does. So when we're trying to bring water back to life, we do so in the same way that we would care for, um, a sick person or somebody that we, that we really love who just needs some extra TLC because that water is going to become your blood within five minutes. So if you go ahead and begin in treating that water as though it is your external bloodstream, a lot will change, not only in your own lifestyle and the way you see and interact with water, but in the world at large. That's really my vision that we will begin to see water for what she truly and, and accurately is, which is our external bloodstream. Mm -hmm. There is a whole lot to unpack there. And uh, what we're seeing in supermarkets is pretty much a reflection of as humans, because we are water, it's kind of a reflection of our relationships. How you'll see these trapped um, water molecules in a bottle, and it's literally capped off, so it can't breathe. And a lot of this water, as you mentioned, I like the word unconscious. It's like, all right, well, you're consuming unconscious water, so that's also going to impact your health. It's going to reflect in your relationships and how these water molecules in the water bottles are kind of separated. So it's like we're isolated. So we think that we're in community now, especially with like social media, uh, social media. So we can connect via zoom and it's great and all because we can contact people on the opposite side of the world. But at the same time, we're kind of still, if we were to go out, depending on the person, like we're still socially isolated. And that's, I feel like what they really wanted to do over the previous two to three years is to really separate people a little bit more. And, uh, I want to kind of dive into the supermarket water because I think people are can get very, very confused with thinking that what they're consuming in these water bottles are helping them, like the essential water or any of these alkaline waters that are coming out that are just trendy market words to me, but actually it can be very detrimental to their health. So mm -hmm. is there any water in supermarkets if people do not have a high quality filter available to them that you would say that they should go towards. Yeah. Well, first I want to touch on, on what you said about, um, you know, the kind of water that we drink actually being reflected in our psyche and that couldn't be more true. It's, um, you know, we see it again and again, what, 
what you do to water, you do to yourself. And I see it really often in my clients, for example, um, you know, a client who is drinking reverse osmosis water might have a feeling of being like just a little bit on edge, just like a little bit, um, aggressive, like not, not necessarily outwardly aggressive, but just like I had a, I had a client, for example, who she came to me and she said, you know, I feel like, um, my husband is just not helping. And I just get so annoyed whenever he, like, I just get annoyed by him so easily. And she said, you know, I can step out of myself and take the larger view and see that actually he does help around the house. And actually I really love him. And I don't know why I'm having this kind of uh, response to him. And at the same time, she was suffering from some symptoms of dehydration. And so we were, we looked at the water that she was drinking. And of course, reverse osmosis water is an aggressive solvent and the, the water molecules are extremely um, spread apart. You know, they're extremely disconnected from one another. And so it's, it's hard to have a sense of like coherence and cohesion. And, you know, our, our mind rests in a pool of water and 80% of all of our brain function is electrical, which is conducted by the highly uh, electrolyte rich cerebral spinal fluid. Only 20% of our brain function is neurochemical. So 80% of what happens in our minds is not because of the chemicals, it's because, because of the electricity, which has everything to do with the structure, the coherence, the, the electrical conductivity, the um, mineral ratios, et cetera of our cerebral spinal fluid, which is only one molecule different from seawater, what we drink directly affects our psyche, the way that we think, the way that we perceive the world, the way that we communicate, the way we interact, the way we process information, the quality of our memory, the quality of our intelligence, all of these things. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just see it so consistently that that, that I feel like, oh, why isn't this common knowledge at this point? Because the same is true on a collective scale as well, that water is actually our, our uh, they call it the new sphere. It's like, it's what holds the vibrations of our collective unconscious. And the dirtier the world waterways become, the dirtier the world's collective unconscious becomes. Um, and we can see that. I mean, we can trace that pretty much directly over the past 300 years or so, two to 300 years since the Industrial Revolution as the world's waterways have been rerouted and polluted, you know, we can see the level of uh, mental health crises that have been skyrocketing, you know, Victor Schauberger, well over a hundred years ago, he predicted based on the way that we're treating water in the early 1900s, he predicted that uh, humanity would become far less intelligent and less emotionally mature within a few generations. And of course, that's exactly what we see. And and back then in the early 1900s, we weren't even doing half of the lousy crap that we do to water now. I mean, anyway, I'm going on a bit of a tangent. What you asked was about the, uh, about the water at the store. And there are a lot of sales gimmicks. There are a lot of money-making branding schemes at the store. Um, if you absolutely cannot uh, access a local spring or go um, uh, get high quality filtered structured water. First, I'll say definitely try to find your local spring. So there's a website called findaspring.com where you can look up if you have a, a spring in your area. And even if it's an hour away, it's absolutely worth the pilgrimage to go there and get the highest quality water. So that should be priority number one. But, you know, sometimes we're traveling or we're in a pinch and we got to do what we got to do. So go to the store and see if you can find a spring water in a glass bottle. 
So people who consume uh, bottled waters, they end up consuming about one credit card's worth of plastic per week, mm-hmm. per week. <laughs> so please get in glass bottles if you can. Most things that are labeled spring water are not actually spring water. The industry lobbied to have the laws changed so that something can actually be well water, uh, they can drill drill a borehole down into the aquifer, pump up the water, and still label it spring water. So even if you even if you go through this process, you're not entirely insured that you are definitely getting actual spring water. It could just be artesian well water, but at least that's still uh, natural water from the earth um, with a higher mineral content. And and I would say you know Mountain Valley Springs, Aquapana. Um, there are a few different brands that you can look for okay and you mentioned you still want to structure it you still want to structure it and energize it but yeah so how would you go about structuring and um actually i'm going to take it back just a second because uh what we were talking about before like what's in the water how this is leading to some mental health issues and whatever we're seeing in the world today um i'm actually reading the devil's poison which is about fluoride which is uh probably one of the main things that i would try to avoid with water and probably one of the main reasons why I want to filter it and um, how it kind of calcifies the pineal gland, which would be considered the seat of the soul. I feel like this is kind of what's making people sleepy or unconscious and not really able to wake up to, or just pay attention to the things that they're doing. It's kind of just putting it's us a all big to factor. Sleep. Yeah. It's a big factor for sure. Fluoride is absolutely something to watch out for. It is definitely a neurotoxin. Another thing we got to watch out for is the atrazine, which is another one of the number one most common uh, ingredients in tap water. I, you know, I don't even like to call it water because at that point it's like, it's just a chemical cocktail. You know, it might be clear and it might be odorless. If you're lucky, it's odorless. You know, I go to visit family in Atlanta and you can smell the chlorine in the water. Um, but yeah, atrazine is is another one of the biggest one. And that one actually leads to sex changes in amphibians in the wild. So when atrazine leaks into the um into into natural habitats, you know, male frogs end up turning into female frogs in the wild. So I'll let the audience yeah. draw their own conclusions about what's happening on a grand scale on in the world, with that being one of the number one additives in, in flora in a in tap liquid. <laughs> yeah let the audience definitely sit on that one for a second because yeah something to ponder on. going off right now it's something to ponder on for sure yeah but re- regarding the the fluoride and the structure as you mentioned so what i'm reading here is that fluoride actually kind of destroys the collagen bond so it's going to affect the structure of the proteins in your body and the formation or the form of the protein is going to actually determine the function so mm-hmm. what I feel like is happening here is almost like the water that's in us is just our structure is just being destroyed. And I understand mm-hmm. that the water in our cells are actually stored as easy water or um, exclusion it's structure. Yeah. Exclusion zone water by uh, Gerald Pollack. But so would you mind describing what exactly is structured water and how you would go about structuring this water if you're purchasing it from the store then? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, everything comes down to structure, right? Like you were saying, if the structure of a protein is changed, that protein no longer works, even if it is the same 
fundamental protein. It has to do with the structure. Not every single protein in your body is surrounded by 10,000 water molecules, each and every one of them. So if those water molecules are not functioning properly, then those proteins are not going to function properly. And that's true of everything, everything your body does, not just protein folding, but every enzymatic reaction, every, um, every catalyst, every thought that you have, the fact that you're seeing this right now through lenses that are 99% water. I mean, everything that we do is a function of water in the body and our body can only do those things to the extent that our water is well-structured, well-mineralized and um, has the right isotopic ratios and isotopic composition. In other words, more protium hydrogen than deuterium hydrogen. So Fluoride doesn't just, you know, mess with the, with your proteins. It also disrupts cell to cell signaling because it inhibits the charge at the cell membrane. And then the downstream cascade effect of that can be, can be cancer actually. So it's not, um, you know, drink fluoride, get cancer, but it, it is a proximal effect of the fluoride for sure. So there's, there's just a whole cascade of, I mean, it's, it's shocking that, that there are so many absolute poisons in the water and um, yeah. But to your point about the structure, you can think of water as you can think of structured living water as being like a crystal. So a crystal is anything whose constituents are organized in um, a repeating pattern, an organized repeating matrix. And regardless of whether or not you believe woo-woo hippie stuff, you know, amethyst can heal your eighth chakra or whatever, we use crystals in watches and computers and technology all the time. You're watching this right now on a liquid crystal display, an LCD screen. Liquid crystals are an important part of, of mm -hmm. nature and every single biological being is based on crystalline water. It's also called bio water, or as you said, exclusion zone water. In order for water to conduct life force energy, it has to be patterned in this structured matrix. And like a crystal, it can receive, transduce, transmit, store, and amplify energy, vibration, and frequency. So some uh, structured water can can be piezoelectric, for example, like in your cerebral spinal fluid. When you squeeze your cerebral spinal fluid in certain ways, it actually emits light, which is what a lot of the yogic practices and the bandhas were based on. Um, and when you when you really structure water, the more it's in a formation, the more it can hold on to information. So. If you're working with something like bottled water from the store, like you get one of these these um, glass bottles of water, then you would need one of the portable methods. There are a lot. There are so many different methods of structuring water. I teach all the methods in my uh, my seven day e course that you mentioned, navigating the waters. Um, everything from the very simple, um, like convenient, maybe more expensive, but very effective to the DIY, absolutely free, but you've got to put in some elbow grease and not might be quite, might not be quite as effective kind of, there's a range, you know, like there's flow forms, there's, um, there's epitaxy and transference, there's vortexing, there's uh, a number of different ways, you know, magnetism, quantum energy, um, all kinds of methodologies. But uh, for, in the case of a bottled water that you get from the store. One of my favorites would be something like this, the Analemma wand. Mm -hmm. 
So this actually not only structures, but beautifully energizes the water. It's my favorite tool for one of my top three favorite tools for energizing water um, because this water was actually matured over the course of an entire year. Um, and I say matured specifically because just like any other living being, water also has a life cycle. Water can be in gestation. Water can be in gestation um, under an aquifer. Water is born at a spring. You know, water has an entire life cycle. There is a big difference between premature water or um, uh, mature water or immature water. I have a YouTube video video on this for anybody who wants to learn more about the difference between mature and immature water and how that actually affects our own uh, maturity. But this uh, analemma water, the water that's inside the wand was matured over the course of an entire year um, in direct relationship to all of the planets and the stars and the sun and the moon. So she's actually witnessed all of those different cycles and received all of those light signatures, all of those frequencies into the water, and then can, can give that full spectrum of light frequencies to your drinking water as well. And that's really important because as Dalzantica said, light is just a bundle of frequencies that has to be brought in by the right water. Water is actually what mediates light, uh, the information that light is into biological form and biological function. And I think of the spectrum of all of the different electromagnetic frequencies of, of different kinds of light you know obviously the light that is emitted from the pole star it's different from the light that's emitted from the sun is different from the light that's emitted from the moon is different from the light that's emitted from your campfire is different you know there are all these these um shades of light in the natural spectrum that our bodies evolved over the millennia to be in direct contact with to be absorbing those those frequencies of light all the time, all of the UVA and UVB from sunrise to sunset in a specific order, you know, to set our own circadian rhythms and our circadian rhythms determine so much of our health as water-based beings. Our water needs those light frequencies in order to conduct the symphony of all of our, everything that happens in the body, all of our hormonal cascades, all of that. And so when water only has, and of course, we're not being exposed to those frequencies because we're inside all the time. We're exposed to blue light from screens and, you know, fake light from lamps and that kind of thing. And when was the last time you slept under the stars? Mm. Um, with you, nice. I would imagine probably, probably okay. more recently than most people, but the average domesticated person, not very often. And, um, our water as well, you know, it's robbed from the earth. It's pumped up from the, from a borehole, from an aquifer, not exposed to the light, um, not exposed to any natural frequencies that it would be exposed to, you know, like the, the Schumann resonance or the sound of the wind or the sound of the birds or all of these different frequencies that actually mature water in a healthful way and, and allow it to take on the vibrational resonances that allow it to be medicinal for the ecosystem that it is flowing in. And so then we, you know, bottle it up, we keep it in a, in a municipal, you know, tank that's dark, or we, we keep it on bottles on in bottles on a shelf, like little gravestones that are just baking under, you know, fluorescent lighting in the store, or we leave it, you know, on those trucks that deliver the bottles, they can just be baking in the sunshine. And anyway, mm -hmm. 
you want to restore the full spectrum back to water because that is the palette of colors that water paints with. It is literally uh, the the palette, the full spectrum. She needs the full spectrum on her palette to be able to work that beautiful artistry and bringing you to life. You know, she might need a certain vibration of light for a certain function in your mitochondria, for example. And if she hasn't been exposed to that and neither has your body of water, then you're just not going to have that, that light energy, that light information that your body needs to paint with. And so, you know, water has this really, and I'm getting off on a tangent. So stop me if you want to get, Go if you want it. me to get back on point and actually answer your question, but this I feel like this is, we're here for. <laughs> I feel like this is an important thing to, to consider because water has a really unique relationship with light in that water, uh, according to Dr. Masaru Emoto, water at one point also exists as light. And also according to some physicists, you know, if you were to actually look at the molecular makeup of water itself, water is one part matter, that would be the hydrogen and the oxygen, both of which are just gases anyway. And it's an absolute anomaly how they create a liquid. Physicists can't explain how these two gases get to get together and create a liquid. But for every one part hydrogen and oxygen, you have one trillion parts photons, a trillion parts photons to one part matter. Water is literally liquid light. The more structured and coherent that water is, the more she can tap into those reserves of light. So the analemma would be a great way to tap into those uh, some essential oils that decided to jump off the shelf just now. Um the, the analemma is a great way to structure your uh, your water on the go. There's another thing that I have on the site. Um, actually, if you go to waterslife.shop, you'll find all these things. And you can e even go to a section that says structure and then go to the section that says portable and you'll find all the portable structures. Another one of my favorites is called the Vortex Magnet Energizer. That one does take a little bit more elbow grease. It comes with a tensor ring as well. Um, and you can create a vortex and there are specifically placed magnets right at the center point of the vortex. The smallest point of the vortex is where the vortex gathers in raw energy from the etheric field. Vortexes are really, really magical. Um, they're basically a way uh, that nature generates free energy. They're the reason why nature never suffers from entropy is because everything is always spiraling and vortexing in nature. You know, in your body, for example, your blood doesn't just flow in your veins; it spirals through your veins. Your cerebral spinal fluid doesn't just spi uh, doesn't just flow up your spinal column; it spirals. In fact, the German word for spinal column is spiral column. The German word for vertebrae is vortices. We see this in nature as well. When a, a river is flowing, it doesn't just flow in a straight line unless it's been artificially manipulated by humans, which most rivers have at this point, sadly, but naturally a river will meander back and forth. And every time it switches direction, the vortex of water inside the, the flow of the river will also switch direction. So pulling in energy and expelling energy, pulling in energy and expelling energy with the different directions of the spin. And so with everything that we do to our water, we just want to mimic nature. We're basically just trying to do exactly what nature does to bring water to the highest quality state. So that's one of the reasons why we vortex water. When the molecules start to spin together, then they start to bond together and bind together. Um, so that's another great portable method. Um, there's also a pour through method that I really love. This one is... Um, basically one of my absolute go-tos. I have like six of them over here, actually. Um, it's called the... Um, 
the portable revitalizer by natural action. And, um, they're really great. So they create a flow form on the inside that creates, um, internal vortices. It's based on the work of Johan Grander, uh, developing flow forms. And, um, that's a really great method. Uh, there, yeah, again, there are a lot of portable methods that you can use. It's just a matter of what tickles your fancy. I swear you, you get me so excited whenever we talk about this. And for the audience, this is actually our second mm-hmm. go around trying to record this one because we had some technical difficulties the first time around. So again, thank you, Isabel, for being here. And um, I've actually been using the Analemma wand first thing in the morning when I wake up, I'll consume 32 ounces of water. And I didn't want to admit that I feel something from it because it does seem kind of woo-woo and out there, but I'll try mm-hmm. some stuff. And I will say that I definitely feel much more energized when I drink that. And uh, yeah. the quality of my water is already pretty decent, uh, what I would consider anyway, because I have a pristine hydro filter. I know that's on the, the website and that is supposed to structure the water as well. Now, what I'm curious about, so we can structure it with things like the wand, um, light would also structure it then as well. Things like a red light or putting it out in the sun, would that structure it? Yes and no. So this is why I really differentiate the steps and, and I try not to make it overly complicated. I want to keep it super simple for people, you know, just get, get a couple tools and, and you're set. But if you really want to know the science behind it, I kind of differentiate it into a couple of different steps, um, structure, and then and then energize. And there is a lot of overlap. So some things that energize also structure, some things that structure also energize, but um, the structure is really the coherence of the water molecules. And then the energy is the patterns, the information, the energy that they actually carry, that they transmit, the memory that's held inside those water molecules, the specific uh, sacred geometric shapes and structures that those molecules form and therefore what vibration they resonate at. And so um, certain frequencies of light definitely help to structure water, like uh, red light therapy. The whole reason why red light therapy is so enormously beneficial for your body water is because um, it, it increases the exclusionary zone and, and you know, you can, tra- you can directly trace your quality of health to your, um, to how structured your bio water is. You know, if you look at the intracellular fluid of somebody with any kind of disease, it doesn't matter if we're talking about diabetes or AIDS or heart disease, there's going to be some destructuring in their intracellular fluid. If you look at the healthiest person in the world, they're going to have a really high phase angle and highly structured intracellular fluid, right? So it is the most across the board, um, reliable biomarker for your biological age. So when it comes to structuring the water, again, movement is a really great way. But when it comes to actually energizing the water, it's a matter of of what you want your water to turn into a vessel of. It's, if you let it listen to a certain song, it's going to become the liquid version of that song, like a literal liquid piece of music for you to take into your body in direct proportion to its structure. So the more structured it is, the more it's actually going to take on that vibrational information. If you're working with water that is bulk water, there's just not a whole lot of, uh, there's not really a matrix for that to imprint onto. So yes, it will have some effect. And because it is energizing, it will help to structure the water a little bit in and of itself, but it's not going to initially give it a lot of uh, primary structure. If you structure it first and then you energize it, it's going to hang on to a lot more of that information. And 
So a lot of times people will say, oh, I leave my my water out in the sun to structure it. But actually, if you read the work of Victor Schauberger, the sun makes water lazy. And it makes sense, right? Because um, think about the molecular structure of ice, right? When water is really cold, all of the molecules like to snuggle up together. And the warmer water gets, the more those molecules spread apart until eventually it becomes like steam. And so water that is baking in the sun, it's going to get warmer and warmer and warmer. And while yes, it is storing that solar energy and that solar information, the structure of it is actually breaking apart. So, uh, you know, you can see this in a river, for example, a river is going to flow more slowly and have less carrying capacity in the warmth of the midday sun as compared to in moonlight. Now, moonlight really, really energizes water and it increases its carrying capacity. What do I mean by carrying capacity? Like literally how much can the water carry? If you're trying to um, float logs down a stream, it is going to be a lot easier to float those logs down the stream in moonlight than it is in sunlight. And so... Well, yes, I do think it's important to have some solar energy in your water. I don't recommend leaving it to just leaving your water out in the midday sun um, because that's that's going to give it solar energy, but it's going to destructure it. What I would recommend instead is either expose your water to sunlight early in the morning at sunrise and late in the evening at sunset, and that way it gets uh, a better spectrum of UV light. And or this is what I personally do is create Soleil solution, which is a mixture of salt and water. It's a super, super saturated saline solution, highly medicinal. And then I leave that out in the sunshine and then I'll put some drops of that into my drinking water. And that not only delivers the electrolytes, but also delivers the solar energy as well. And there are so many different ways that you can um, energize your water. Again, we talked about the analemma. One of my other favorite, favorite, favorite things is called the carbon gene, also created by Natural Action. And um, it's brilliantly designed and it has a way of basically condensing orgone energy into the water. Orgone energy is is the etheric field, etheric energy. It's um, It's basically the chi, mana, prana, whatever you want to call it, concentrates a lot of that, densifies it into the water, magnetizes the water. And you can also program, you can have the, the carbon gene created with different um, things based on your specific biochemistry and your specific biology and what you personally need. Um, like when we did the reading for mine, um, mine ended up needing blue diamonds and 24 karat gold. So I was excited about that. Are you sure? I'll drink blue diamond water. I'm happy about that. Um, But then some of them, you know, you might need more silver or you might need more Ormus or you might need more Shungite or it can be personalized um, to each person. And then there's also something like an infopathy pad, which is something that I really love to use that um, they have basically a repertoire of thousands of different frequencies available in there. And um, you can pattern your water with any vitamin, any mineral, any enzyme, any anything from your medicine cabinet, anything from your supplement cabinet, any nootropic stack that you like. Um, I really like to do um, colloidal gold and oxytocin in mine. You can program it with the frequencies of DMT, ayahuasca, uh, LSD, you can do a whole entheogenic stack. I mean, they have basically everything available. 
Yeah, it makes sense what you're saying about the sunlight and uh, how water can actually carry more, I guess, when it's colder. And I have an infopathy device as well, and they recommend that you should use it with cold beverages instead. So that that yeah. makes a little bit more sense to me now. And, Water's uh, favorite temperature to be at is four degrees Celsius. Hmm. It's called the anomaly point of water. And, um, or no, I'm sorry, it's not called the anomaly point. The anomaly point is the point where water freezes and boils and, and evaporates all at the same point. It's this like crazy... I mean, water, water is capable of just about anything. Water is the most versatile thing in the universe. I should tell you about some of the crazy shit that she gets up to in deep space, but yeah, the anomaly point, she boils, freezes and, um, and evaporates at the same time. What is the point called at four degrees Celsius? It's called the something point. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up again. I forgot. Anyways, all of the, the water at the highest quality springs at the top of mountains, um, they all come out at four degrees Celsius. And it is the point at which water holds its structure the most securely. Mm-hmm. Whereas 98.2 degrees is the point where water holds its temperature the most securely. So guess why human beings are about 98 degrees. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're blowing my mind with all this, which I kind of expected. So when you're drinking structured water, it'll be more coherent. You'll hold more information. So as a reflection, again, you'll be more coherent human being, as you were mentioning with uh, that wife, with her husband, kind of annoying her with little things. And my my last question with the structure, because I know that's just a whole other topic. I mean, you could dive really deep with that one. So I'll just defer to your uh, e-courses. But how long would the water hold structure? Say, for instance, if I'm filtering it through my pristine hydro and the analemma, how long is it going to hold on to that? And what would um, take away its structure? What would destroy the structure? Yeah, so it really, really depends. Um there's no way to like, it's not like a a switch that you flip on and off. Like this water is structured and this water is not structured. It's really a spectrum. I think of it as like, there's an ocean and there are some icebergs floating in it. And those represent the clusters of structured water molecules. Right. And so even in completely unstructured water, you're in, in bulk water, you're still going to have some structures forming every now and then, as long as the water hasn't been like microwaved or something crazy, like every now and then those molecules are going to get together and dance in a good way. And, um, in if you're talking about highly, highly, highly structured water that you've done all of the things to or water that's coming out of like the Lord's spring in France or one of the highest quality springs in the world, it's going to be basically like an ice sheet of icebergs. Like it's going to be very, very coherent, lots of structure, but most water, even if we do the things to it is going to be somewhere in between somewhere in the spectrum of having more or less, you know, conglomerations of, of clusters. And so the more structuring uh, tools that we use or the longer we structure it, you know, the more we kind of gather those those icebergs together and create a lot more coherence. Um, so depend, it just really depends, you know, like um, what structuring method are you using? Some are a lot more stable than others. The analemma, as you mentioned, um, creates a very, very stable, uh, coherent 
water that, that stays stable for quite a long time. They kind of cracked a code on that as opposed to some other methods, like maybe just vortexing might not be as stable. It also depends on what the water is being stored in. Certain kinds of containers will help the water keep its structure a lot better. Um, I don't recommend keeping water in stainless steel, which is what most people keep their water in these days because stainless steel is a ferroelectric metal, which um, as opposed to a bioelectric metal, ferroelectric metals will actually rob the water of its dipolar magnetism. Um, water is a dipolar molecule, it has a North Pole and a South Pole, right? So you want those those uh, that polarity all kind of lined up in the same direction so you have that coherence. Um, whereas there are different kinds of um, different kinds of materials that will help it hold on to its structure longer. Um, if you are holding the water stagnant for a while, it's going to be a lot more likely to lose its structure versus if you keep like a little bit of motion in it, or if you keep it in an egg shaped amphora. So an egg shaped container actually creates a little mini hydrological cycle within it. And it can keep water fresh forever. Actually, the Sumerians tapped into this. They had giant egg-shaped amphoras that they buried underground to keep water fresh forever because it keeps the water continuously cycling. I mean, the, the egg is nature's gestational shape, right? So it's it's really perfect for ennobling water. Um, versus if you keep the water next to your Wi-Fi router, of course, that's going to destructure the water quite a lot quicker. So there are way too many factors at play to be able to say like, oh, your water is going to be structured for three hours or your water is going to be structured for three days because it's the spectrum. And, the, and water is the most versatile thing in the world. And it's also the most sensitive thing in the world. In fact, the ancients used to refer to water as the sensitive chaos, because it is like the universe's sensory organ. It is the way that consciousness sees and perceives and, and feels and smells. And it is, it is the sensory organ of nature. It is how nature sees and learns and integrates that wisdom into itself in the same way that we use our own senses. So she's always paying attention. You know, she can, I think it's about a 60 octave range that water can, um, can perceive and can be sensitive to, as opposed to our very limited range, you know, so uh, any, you know, electromagnetic frequencies and signals, of course, any auditory signals, visual stimuli, um, even scent and olfactory stimuli, all of these things, water is picking up on all of it. So basically just, you know, don't, don't let your water vortex while you're watching a, a horror film, <laughs> you know, like uh, Theodore Schwenk is a, another one of my favorite water researchers. And he basically said that um, through his experiments, he determined that water is most perceptive when she's moving. So just like us, if we've been sitting still for a while, we're not really, you know, we our senses might get a little bit more dull. We kind of like chill a little bit. But if you're if you're walking, if you're dancing, if you're moving, if you're interacting, if you're working out, your your senses are heightened and you're kind of paying more attention to your environment, generally speaking. And that's definitely true for water. So the best time to energize your water or to program your water, in other words, with specific patterns, is actually while it's moving. Gotcha. That makes sense. And you you mentioned like um, how water is sensitive and we are water. And mm -hmm. you kept mentioning like auditory and what you're playing around your water, some music, what kind of movies. And a while ago, I actually started paying a little bit more attention to 
what type of music that I was listening to. And if I was listening to some like rap in the gym, I'd notice that, why am I angry? Like, what is, what is this actually doing to me? And I remember I was actually out at a festival and I was listening to or, uh, an artist named Rez was about to come on. <laughs> and this guy that was just off on something, he's like, she's going to take your soul. And I was like, okay, we'll see. What, we'll see what that's about. So whatever, we're there. And all of a sudden, I kind of snap out of the little trance that I'm in. And I look at everyone and everyone is moving exactly the same way. And I was like, huh. I need to go. I need yeah. to get out there. Weird. So I'm a little bit more conscious of what I'm actually listening to and uh, what I'm putting around my water at this point. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, I mean, I think that's, I think that's so important, especially with like quality of lyrics and that sort of thing, but I don't necessarily think it's as important with genre of music. And, and I say that because, you know, I, I think Dr. Masaru Emoto really popularized the, it, I love his work. I love that he, he brought to the mainstream that water is dynamic and responsive and sentient and intelligent and stores memory and is always reflecting the world back to us, right? Re reflecting our treatment of her back to us. But in some ways, I think there were a lot of things about Emoto's research that really laid the foundation for a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about water as well. Like, for example, if you just say to your water, I love you, that's a really good step. Good job. But if you have somebody who is like comatose and sick in a hospital bed and you come to them and you say, and they've been traumatized and they've been beaten up and they've been abused and you say to them, I love you. That's a really good step. I'm sure that'll mean a lot to them. That's not going to heal them yeah. entirely. You know, like that is love is a first step to healing. And if you truly feel it and you are adoring your water, you are absolutely loving it. Like it is your own precious bloodstream. And like, it is the first drop of water that you are tasting after 40 days in the desert and you are parched and you think this is liquid life. I fucking love you. Thank you. That will have a lot more effect than just taping the word love on your bottle yeah. of water. Because the way that Emoto's work kind of misrepresented that is he would take about 500 photos for every single sample of water that had been exposed to a certain stimuli. And he would just publish the one or two images that were the absolute clearest. So again, it comes back to that example where you could have an absolute sea of unstructured water but maybe one or two little icebergs of structured uh, molecular clusters, he would find those one or two little icebergs and take a picture of those. And it would misrepresent it as though the whole sample were structured like that when that's actually not true. Um, and I don't think he was conscientiously misrepresenting it like that. I think I think he was very clear about it if you actually read his books, but I think that people just extrapolate that from it. Like, oh, there was a crystal in this water, so that must mean that water is structured. No, there's, you know. So that was one of the things. But then another thing that I think kind of got misrepresented in his work is this idea that water hates heavy metal music and water loves classical music and that water has a very specific taste in music, you know? And it's like... Probably not, actually. Probably the researcher in the laboratory was having a strong emotional reaction to that uh, heavy metal music and the water picked up on the on that reaction. Or maybe the heavy metal music did have really toxic, negative, harmful lyrics to it 
uh, or intention behind it or something like that. So there's this Russian researcher. He basically uh, found that water responds to human emotion more so than anything else, more than light, more than vibration, more than, more than any other kind of stimuli. It really responds to human emotion because we are bodies of water. What are our emotions? Our emotions are electromagnetic frequencies that are vibrating in our body of water. And when our emotions are coherent, our bio water is more coherent and vice versa. And so, yeah, I think whoever was in the laboratory with the water listening to music probably just didn't really like heavy metal music. Whereas Veda Austin, her son, I think um, I think he really liked reggae music. If I'm getting the story correctly, he was like, you know, well, I know water likes classical music, but I really like reggae music. So they exposed the water to reggae music. And for anybody who's not familiar with Veda Austin's work, she is an amazing crystallographer. She teaches a method of crystallography that everybody can do right at home. All you need is a Petri dish and a freezer. And it's really beautiful. Some of the, um, some of the things that she's finding, uh, because yeah, water really is constantly perceiving and reflecting and and you can see that right at home. You can do these experiments right at home. And, um, and yeah, the water still formed really beautiful, uh, reflections and images with, with every kind of music that they've tried. So I think it has a lot more to do with your personal resonance and a lot less to do with the music itself. Unless it's like the hurtful lyrics, as you mentioned before. So right adding some right. emotion, adding some intention behind it, it's going to be a lot more powerful than just putting a word on it. For sure. Yeah. That's not really going to do very much <laughs> better than nothing. I mean, it's, it's, a, I don't want to knock it, but yeah, there's so much more we can do. It's like, yeah. it's like researcher MJ Pangman said, you know, enlivening and ennobling water is like a dance, you know, the structure is what sets the stage for the dance the, and the energy, the energizing water is like the, is like the music for the dance, but you still get to make your own choreography. You get to decide how you want to do it. There are so many different uh, methods that you can play with. And you'll see when you go to water is life.shop, there are just like an infinite number of options and each one will create a very differently patterned water. You know, there's I drink a very differently patterned water when I'm, you know, about to go on a date versus when I'm about to go on a podcast, you know, and it affects me very differently. So it's, you know, or if I'm going to go like hang out with my friends and go to the beach, you know, I might want just a different kind of energy in the water. So there's so much you can do with it. it, it water is medicine fundamentally, you know, water is nature's medicine. It's interesting and and people kind of just think of it as this thing. It's kind of been neglected. You said before that we just put it in this kind of vessel and we leave it trapped in the dark. And it's 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 kind of a reflection again of humanity, how not everyone, I'm speaking generally here, but some people feel like they're trapped. So it is a reflection of our consciousness, I believe. And water can be a lot funner than people would imagine as hopefully they're picking up on throughout this chat. Now, I, I believe it's in navigating the waters or maybe just mention on the website how dehydration is the root cause of all disease. And I had uh, Clint Ober on the podcast last week and I mentioned how, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but about earthing and grounding mm-hmm. and we're talking about how the body is inflamed. So he's talking about how the body's pretty much like on fire. Well, how do you put out flames? It would be with water. So it makes sense that uh, how people consider inflammation, the root cause of all disease. Well, water is hand in hand. How are you going to put out that fire if you are dehydrated? 
So inflammation is dehydration. Fundamentally, it shows that you have a very desertified state in your body. Even if it's localized inflammation, you have drought in that area of your aquatic ecosystem. We're basically aquariums, right? We are an aquarium terrain. We're an aquatic ecosystem. Our blood plasma is almost identical to marine plasma. Our cerebral spinal fluid is only one molecule different from seawater. We're 70% water by volume, but molecularly, we're 99.95% water molecules. So for every thousand molecules in your body, 999 and a half of them are water. If you looked at anything else and you said this A is, is 99.95% B, you would say A is B, right? But we don't walk around saying I am water, but we really should because when we center our water and hydration as our, our primary, um, metric of health and our primary approach to health care, it solves and simplifies so many things. And when I say hydration, I don't just mean how much water you're drinking. That's just irrigation. You can irrigate your body all day long, drink water, go through your digestive tract, you pee it out, and it doesn't necessarily do you much good. I'm talking about the state of your internal bio waters. That's what I mean by hydration. So you know, when, when we look at, uh, inflammation, that's a state of dehydration. When we look at, um, mineral deficiencies, that's a state of dehydration. When we look at low voltage in the body, that's a state of dehydration. When we, um, when we see something like, um, acidification pH imbalance, that's a state of dehydration. These are all synonymous with different kinds of dehydration. As, as Dr. Batman Gellage said, every single disease, every name of every disease that we have is just a synonym for a type of dehydration. So hydration itself, again, is not just drinking water. It's how much water is in your body, how structured is that water? What is the mineral composition of that water? Does it reflect the oceanic marine plasma in the way that it should? Um, and what is the isotopic ratio of that water? In other words, how much of that water is proteum hydrogen versus how much of it is deuterium hydrogen? And yeah, it's at the root of all disease. As we said before, if you look at the intracellular fluid of a person with any disease state, they're going to have destructured intracellular fluid. Um, also, if you look at the phase angle of any person with any kind of health concern, they're going to have a relatively low phase angle. Phase angle is a measure that we use as a measurement of hydration. And um, it's basically how much water can your cell membranes osmotically bring across the membrane. And that's an electrical process. So it's a hydroelectric process, how much water your, your cells can bring in and out. And so we measure the charge across the cell membrane using that phase angle test. And the higher the charge, the more water you can bring across. So we tend to think of uh, how much energy you have, how much voltage you have, how much prana, how much mana, how much chi you have as being separate from hydration, mm -hmm. but they're the same. It's all hydroelectric energy. You're a body of water. Your, your prana is directly correlated to your level of hydration. They're literally the same reading. The phase angle reading is literally the same. If, if somebody, you know, is fresh newborn baby, healthy as could be, they're going to have a phase angle of about 12. The general population, there's a phase angle bell curve of around like, you know, six to eight ish. And then anybody who is extremely sick, they're going to have a like cancer, for example, they're going to have a phase angle measurement of about 4.5 or 
below, it shows that just from a hydration standpoint, they're so dry that they're nearly dead. Dying is drying fundamentally. In fact, so Dr. Gilbert Ling, he said that life itself is structured water. And after all of his research, he was an incredible biologist. He did all kinds of uh, experimentation. He did a lot with, um, you know, sodium ion channels and, uh, you know, how ATP is really actually the um, what structures your intracellular fluid and not necessarily a packet of energy in the way that we've been taught it is. And so he did a lot of really um, groundbreaking research, but he said that, you know, at the end of his career, if he could say anything about, you know, he's a biologist, he, he wanted to study life. That's what he devoted his career to. And after his entire life of studying life, he was asked, what is life? He said, life is structured water. So the more structured your bio water, the more living you are fundamentally. But, you know, when you get stuff like deuterium, it's so it has an extra neutron in the hydrogen. So it's like big and thick and gluggy and, and bulky and it creates molecular crowding and it can't the hydrogens can't bond together in the same way because the angles are off because there's an extra neutron. So it's it's um it's nuanced. You know, there are a lot of different approaches to it, but it even though it seems like maybe it seems overwhelming, like, wow, there's a lot to this water thing. Actually, it simplifies everything else yeah. because, you know, instead of taking this supplement and and that approach and that, and I'm not knocking any of the other strategies, I'm just saying, according to Dr. Carly Newday, and I'm inclined to very much agree, anything that heals you, heals you because of the way that it works on your bio water, whether we're talking about Reiki or a supplement, you know, everything that your body does is a function of your bio water. So rather than, you know, addressing a protein, if we address the 10,000 water molecules surrounding the protein, that protein will then be, will then heal itself or rather than addressing the 20% neurochemical uh, cascade of the brain. If we address that 80% um, hydroelectric part first, then that neurochemical part will then fall into place. There was a doctor who, um, bless her heart, she was looking for the panacea. She was looking for the thing that would tie all um, realms of medicine together, all, all uh, styles of medicine she became an MD in the, in Western medicine. And she realized, wait a second, Western medicine is really not where it's at. And then she became an MD in Eastern medicine. And she was like, you know what, this is amazing, but it's still not the thing that I'm looking for. She went into psychology. So she started realizing everything is um, psychosomatic, has psychosomatic roots. Like maybe if we get, we start with the energy and the trauma and the psychology behind things, then maybe we can get to the root of these diseases. So she went into psychology. She studied all of that. And I can send you the direct quote from her, actually, if you want to put it in the show notes. But after spending, I don't know, 15 years studying all of these different methodologies and getting all of these degrees, she said, the one thing that no one ever tells you, and it took me this entire time studying all of these things to figure it out, is it's water. Water mm -hmm. is the one thing that ties them all together. If you address the water, you address health. You know, water is life. So hydration is health. It really is that simple. And I totally agree with you how just focusing on proper hydration, again, as you said, because you can drink all the water that you want, but if it's not structured, if it's not mineralized, then you're just pretty much diluting your body and you're irrigating yourself, you're peeing it out immediately. 
So mm-hmm. it, or it if does. your lifestyle isn't really isn't really primed in to be hydrating, then even if you're drinking the highest quality water, you won't necessarily absorb and retain it and put it to good use or or be able to get it into all of those little nooks and crannies mm-hmm. of your body, all the you know little fascial points and into the synovial fluid and all of those things because the water also needs to be able to flow and transition between the hydrological cycles of your body. You know, you need to make sure that you have good transition between the the blood and the lymph and the cerebral spinal fluid and like all of these systems there needs to be a good flow and so because we sit stagnant all the time we're constantly dehydrating ourselves the more you sit the more dehydrated you are it doesn't matter how high quality your your water is that you're drinking you know it's actually movement that gets it into all of the little subtle areas of your of your fascia uh, you know as as dr dana cohen said um uh, drinking starts the hydration process, but movement completes it. Movement is literally the second half of hydration because this is a hydraulic network. Your whole body is a hydraulic network. Hydraulic means movement by water other than your, other than your, um, uh, not your circadian system, your, um, circulatory system. Um, your circulatory system, of course, is pumped by the heart, but everything else only moves when you move. Your lymph, it moves when you move. Your fascia, which is an irrigative network that delivers hydration to every one of your cells, it moves when you move. And so if we're not getting you know, a lot of uh, dexterity and the movements of the small and easy to forget about areas of our body that you know might not get full range of motion for months or years at a time for most people, that area is not going to get hydrated and that area is going to suffer from inflammation down the road and is going to eventually that, um, that fascia is going to dry out and you're going to get localized drought in that area. And so, you know, there's that. And then there's also the factor, the, the fact that we are bathed in electromagnetic frequencies all the time. Well, what happens when you're in the presence of a strong man-made non-native EMF frequency is your gap junk, your gap junctions can start to resonate at the wrong frequency. Your cell membranes can start to resonate at the wrong frequency. And like we talked about before, the ability of your cells to actually pull in water is directly a result of the electrical frequency of those cell membranes, because that's a hydro hydroelectric osmotic process. And so if your cell membranes are resonating at the wrong frequency, they're not going to draw in as much water. You literally cannot properly hydrate yourself when you're in the presence of strong man-made EMF fields. So a lot of times when I'm working with clients, they'll come to me with questions about like, oh, you know, what kind of filter should I get? Blah, blah, blah. And that's important, but I usually steer the conversation to, well, let's look at some of your other lifestyle factors first, because, you know, we have to set ourselves up for these things to actually have the maximum effect that they can have. And if you're working right next to a Wi-Fi router all day, really like that's the thing to start with. If you're sleeping next to a smart meter at night on the other side of your wall, that's something to start with. You know, that is one of the most dehydrating things in the modern world. It's a it's a dance. Like we literally have to work with water. It's not just gonna do it on its own. So it's, yeah. it's on us. Yeah. Totally. Well, it's like it's like um, Dr. Zach Bush said. He said, you know, we're living in a desert without even realizing it. We don't realize that the modern world is in fact a desert. And when we start centering water as the the primary um, 
the lead role in this play. If life is a play and we're all actors. Water is playing the lead role, whether we like it or not. She is the queen of this planet. She rules your health. She rules the climate. She rules e- economy. She rules, you name it. And the more we ignore that, the more we just put ourselves at at uh, a disadvantage in all of those realms. And I really think that this is one of the main things that will be shifting as we transition from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius is we've been swimming like fish completely unaware of the water that they're swimming in. You know, Mm -hmm. we've been unaware of water. We have been, we rely on it for everything. We are completely made out of it. 99.95% of ourselves is it. It is the number one factor of everything. And yet we ignore it and we treat it like it is our worst enemy we fill it with poisons and chemical weapons and and we use it as a weapon of war it is actively used as a weapon of war in many places and water is very important so how would you recap if you if you could give five simple steps as you mentioned before what would they be again filter structure balance energize and embody Actually, there's six steps. The first step is forage. So even before you bother with filter, structure, balance, and energize, forage if you can. Go get your water from a local spring. Find out where your springs are and make that pilgrimage. It is absolutely worth it. And then um, the other steps that we take are just to bring that water back into a spring quality state. Awesome. Isabel, I want to thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining me and making this happen again. And I would absolutely love to have you back on the podcast to take a deeper dive into the mystic properties because I know that that is a whole nother discussion, but I wanted to just keep it really simple for the audience for today. It's its own rabbit hole. Yeah, I look forward to going down that rabbit hole with you sometime. And thanks so much for having me on the podcast. This was really fun. Mm-hmm. where can uh, people find you in your content so you can find the shop at waterislife.shop you can find me on instagram at my name jen isabel friend um or you can find all of the courses at waterislife.academy so we have the course that we mentioned which is on drinking water that is navigating the waters it's only seven days it's only 33 dollars, and it will empower you with everything you need for hydration for life how to bring any water into spring quality water um and then there is the spirit of water which goes really deep into the esoteric mysteries the spiritual mysteries that just profound profound things about water in all ancient religions mystical teachings indigenous wisdom teachings um, and even uh, findings in astrobiology and cosmology and how all of those things are tied together with the quantum world um, how uh, water is the source of magic and manifestation and just it's 18 hours is my favorite um, is my favorite course that's on there Also, Internal Oceans is my other favorite course. That one is a really uh, professional level training on uh, your internal bio waters. And then for a less professional level, like just kind of hobby interest level in your bio water, there's one called um, Aquatic Body. And 
I think that's it. Oh, there's also a webinar on there called Allying with Water. That is how water holds the solutions, the answers, and the keys to energy, climate, medicine, uh, agriculture, etc. And if you are interested in all of it, but it seems overwhelming and you're not sure where to start, then I recommend the Daily Drip. Each month in the Daily Drip, we have a different theme. Um, so last month's theme was communion and communication. How can you establish that uh, reciprocal communication with water, different water divination practices, hydromancy, crystallography, all of those kinds of things. Um, we also have a whole section on uh, or a whole month on water activism and how to really empower yourself as a water guardian and a water steward. Basically, we have a month for everything. So it's a year long program. It's a membership. There's a community aspect to it. So that's a really great place to start as well. And yeah, I hope to see people over in the academy. Awesome. And uh, you want to discuss your retreat? Yes, we also have in-person retreats. Uh, we just had one here in Tulum that was amazing. We went to uh, pristine beaches and cenotes, um, which are, according to the Mayans, the doorway into the underworld, very special sacred water. And we did uh, underwater bodywork therapies, John Zoo, um, ice bathing, Temescal, we had workshops, of course, we had fascial based hydrating yoga practices, we did so I mean, I can, I couldn't even tell you all the things that we fit into five days, it was super profound and really fun. Um, we don't have another one scheduled yet, but it will get on the book super soon. So definitely get on my newsletter mailing list. If you want to be the first to hear about that, you go to waterslife.love and just sign up for the newsletter there. And we're going to have another one in Tulum. I'm thinking we might have another one in the US as well. But it's all kind of be determined i'll announce it soon cool so be on the lookout and i will include all of this in the show notes so again thank you one more time isabel for joining us and i hope you have a fantastic day thanks so much james hope you and your listeners have a great day